The three most important letters in sports. Even better than those. TVV. 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 It's Fox 6 Sports Director Tim Van Voren on Homer and Tony. Tim Van Voren is brought to you by Mars Cheese Castle, a Wisconsin landmark that you need to experience off I-94 in Kenosha. Meets Cheese's Bakery, Bar, and Restaurant all under one roof. Learn more at MarsCheese.com. Now that is a sounder. Holy cow. He is the man, that's why. Tim Van Voren, sports director over at Fox 6, joining us now on Homer and Tony, your cousin sub of the day, Dario Melendez. Uh, Timmy V, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, absolutely. I'll tell you, it's hot in KC, though, guys. Melting right now. So it'll be a little better by game time, but it's hot. Really? How hot is hot? 90 plus. Solid what? 90 wow. Plus. Are you serious? A searing sun. Yeah, you know, the Packers, they bring a lot of their uh, starters, just like they did for uh, the Niners game. And those guys all work up a pretty good sweat pregame and then stand and watch. And I'll tell you, it won't, won't be tough to get there today for sure. Wait, they're not doing the Todd Bowles? Everyone who's healthy will play tonight? <laughs> uh, that's correct, yes. <laughs> it's, uh, Todd Bowles has had a different camp down there in Tampa, has he not? Matt LaFleur has it exactly the way he wants it. Not playing any of these guys. He'll take their chances on September 11th, even if they haven't played all preseason. Uh, Tim, when did you guys get in? Y- yesterday, today? Yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yesterday. Yep. So do you have like a, a spot, a, a tradition you do when you go to these cities? I'm guessing you've been in Kansas City before. Kansas City is always like the preseason finale. We've been here many times. This time you know, been, you know, we've been in that locker room many times asking guys, well, what do you do now? How nerve-wracking is it? You're on the bubble, that sort of thing. So, yeah, there are a few barbecue spots that you usually find a way to in, in KC, and we've We've managed to get a good start on that. I mean, you guys know the importance of that part of a road yeah, trip. They do oh, have for some, sure. I don't eat that meat stuff too much, uh, but they they do have some good barbecue. I heard. TVV, I just want to ask you real quick about the uh, about that philosophy of not playing anybody, uh, although the guys are going hard in their warm-ups. Uh, you know, given what happened last year, are you a little bit uh, concerned about that approach again this year, especially with the big, uh, I, the big Viking game coming up? On the 11th. Yeah, I think I, I think you have to be concerned, Tony Dardo. I mean, I, you know, I remember we asked Matt Lafleur, you know, probably six, seven different ways after that game against the Saints last year in Jacksonville. Would you do this differently? And and he kind of said, you know, certainly everything's open to uh, reevaluation. And he was he looked shell shocked that day for sure. I don't think he could believe how poorly his team played. Now maybe they'll learn from that experience. And I think you know a lot of fans could say, well, look what happened to the Cowboys and uh, Tyron Smith last night. That's why you don't play these games in the preseason. But, you know, that injury to me looked like that could happen in a warm-up situation as well. So am I concerned, you know, based on what we saw last year, and I think the opposition will be tougher this year in week one than the Saints really were last year, particularly in that setting, the U.S. Bank Stadium? Yeah, I think you have to be. But I think as he, as the coach says, risk-reward, he just views it as the risk doesn't match the reward. Talking with Tim Van Voren, sports director of Fox 6. He's down in Kansas City getting ready for the Packers' final preseason game against the Chiefs. Uh, we talked to Jason Wilde earlier, Tim, talking about things and position players he's watching for, groupings he's watching for, players he's watching for. Who are you going to keep your eye on in this game? I think you're still looking at that wide receiver situation to kind of sort it out. I like Juwan Winfrey to me, you know, he's, he's, he's had a sample size to this point. He's had a body of work. Uh, you know, Tony would know I've talked about Winfrey for a couple of years now as, as a guy I think has the potential, but he can't afford a bad game. You know, they're, they're going to be in a numbers situation. 
And there are all these 53-man roster projections, and you know this guy's on and that guy's off. And invariably, the Packers are going to swap out you know, two spots with people who aren't even on their roster right now. They'll bring in some people from somewhere else. Uh, so there are a lot of guys who uh, you know, are on the spot tonight for their own personal game. And I would say Winfrey would be one of those. I would say outside linebackers, a spot where those guys are going to get some chances tonight. And if you make plays in a game, that has a chance to improve your stock. Defensive back, you know, a lot of those guys, the Packers coaches have probably made decisions on, but I don't think all of them. And I think it's close stuff in some of those situations that uh, a good game or a bad game could send you on the one side or the other of the legend. Uh, you mentioned Winfrey, and I think that's a really interesting point because Wildy brought this up as well. Because it really comes down to Winfrey and Rodgers, Amari Rodgers for that, that final wide receiver spot. Because when you kind of go down the list, you have Lazard, Watkins, Cobb, Dobbs, and then Rodgers, Winfrey would be that sixth receiver. So Winfrey right now would be the seventh if he stays on, according to kind of who you listen to, who you pay attention to. I mean, if you're making the decision from what you've seen at camp, these games, do you go Amari Rodgers or do you go Winfrey? I go Winfrey because I would say right now, uh, you know, Christian Watson is 100% unproven. Uh, Romeo Dobbs is still largely unproven. Sammy Watkins hasn't done anything in this camp to excite me. Uh, so I would say Winfrey is, while probably your number seven on the order, you're exactly right, Dario. Uh, I think he might be number four right now, just on what you can expect to get from him in a game situation. So I would keep Winfrey for sure. Uh, you know, Amari Rodgers, to me, I, Aaron Rodgers hasn't said this, but uh, I think that's one of the guys he was talking about with the poor routes and the drops. Early, you know, and, and he said at one point, uh, you know, some of these are veteran guys making mistakes. Well, start to add that up. I, th- I think he was talking about Amari Rodgers personally. Uh, who has had an up-and-down camp for sure. But he has a little bit of a benefit from being the third-round pick last year, and he certainly should be better this year. Winfrey, specific to your question, I keep him because I think at the early part of the season, he offers much more of a sure thing in a, in a raucous atmosphere at U.S. Bank Stadium than any of those young guys do. Uh, and I, I know that certainly they're, they're pretty close, especially when you're getting down to that, you know, that sixth and seventh receiver. But do you think that they're going to factor in, uh, like, you know, if who if they released him would get picked up and who wouldn't get picked up so they can yeah, get him back on a practice yeah. squad? Yeah, I mean, if I'm Winfrey, I, I assume, I, I mean, I, you know, if nobody picks you up, nobody picks you up. But, you know, if he doesn't make the team, I think he's probably seeking a fresh start somewhere else. That would be my guess. Uh, you know, so they, can, they can keep some of these other guys uh on the injury designations or on the practice squad. Samari Toure, I would think he's a practice squad guy, seventh-round draft choice. Maybe he has a huge game tonight. It kind of forces the issue a little bit. I don't know. Uh, you know, Winfrey to me is a make the 53, or you're probably saying goodbye to him. You know, maybe they maybe they trade him somewhere. You know, Rogers Rogers has been talking him up, so yeah, what are the chances yeah, no of that time. happening? Rogers talking a guy yeah. up and they're getting rid of him again. I don't think they would be that again. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Jake Kumaro part two, but... Uh, uh, so he's one of the guys I'd watch tonight. You know, uh, offensive line, Caleb Jones, coming into the camp, I don't think there was any chance Caleb Jones makes the regular 53. Now there's a little bit legitimate chance for sure. He's lost a lot of weight. He's done a nice job. But he plays one position. He was an undrafted rookie. A bad night tonight, maybe he becomes a practice squad type candidate because you figure nobody else is going to reach for him on a different team. A good night tonight. And suddenly, you know, he probably forces his way into things. But again, I reiterate, while he has potential, he's a one-position guy who's an undrafted rookie free agent. And that means, you know, what's the interest somewhere else in the NFL? 
Is some other team going to go and grab him, or could the Packers stash him if he doesn't have a good night tonight? Talking with Tim Van Voren, the sports director over at Fox 6. He's down in Kansas City getting ready for the Packers-Chiefs final preseason game. What about a guy like Tyler Davis? Because in the offseason, Brian Gutekunst raving about him. We might have something special, kind of a diamond in the rough. It has been a rough camp, a rough preseason for him, Tim. It, it has been a rough uh, couple of uh, months here, basically. He hasn't done real well through the offseason stuff, despite the positive comments. Uh, and then through the preseason training camp, uh, he has he has not performed well. He did come back and bounce back this week. Mercedes Lewis talked to the tight ends at, a, at length about their role on this team and their importance on this team. Davis had his best practice in quite some time after that conversation. He's on the team, I think, Dario, because he hustles. He has great size. He's still learning the position. He was a college quarterback. He's a wide receiver. So he uh, is doing the things that you need to do to progress. The thing of it is, if you're a tight end, you have to have ball security. He had a fumble in the preseason. He had a ball through his hands that went for an interception. He had another ball through his hands on family night. Same thing could have happened. So this is, this is what Tyler Davis has to do. He's, he's proven himself on special teams. He's proven himself in hustle. He's proven himself in knowing the offense. All those things that the coaches like to talk about. But if you're a guy who handles the ball, you have to secure the ball. That's what he has to show. And to me, you can't really show that in practice. You have to show that in live action. If he, if he has a turnover tonight, particularly a, you know, just a careless turnover, I would think that that gives major pause to the Packers about how they can uh, look at him going forward. If he secures the ball, if he does what he had been doing to get the, the GM and the coaching staff and the front office excited about him in the first place, then he's back in that position. They want this guy to succeed. John Dunn is the tight ends coach. He was his offensive coordinator in college at UConn. There are all kinds of ties here. They want this guy to succeed. But if you can't hold the ball, then it's on you. All right, Tim, got hold on for one second. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get some more of TVV Hour with Tim Van Voren on uh, Homer and Tony. We're going to talk some defense. I want to talk some Brewers as well. So, uh, Tim, don't go anywhere. And you out in Radioland, don't go anywhere either. Homer and Tony with your cousin sub of the day, Dario Melendez, coming right back after this. ESPN packing its bags and heading downtown ESPN Milwaukee, moving to the avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. Follow our progress all season long, all summer long, as we embark on a journey to our new home. The avenue is vibrant, exciting, plus you'll be able to come by and see us and say hi. ESPN Milwaukee's move to the avenue, sponsored by Coakley Brothers and Brothers Interior, the official moving and furniture provider of GKB Milwaukee. You're listening to Homer and Tony on 94.5 ESPN and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Welcome back to Homer Tony, your cousin sub of the day, Dario Melendez from WISN 12. Filling in for Homer who's on assignment. He'll be back on Friday, but I'll be back with you next Monday and Tuesday. Tony always here per usual because we all know he's the hardest working of the pair. <laughs> Homer That's can't true. defend himself right now, so it's all good. That's good. And uh, Tim Van Voren rejoining us out from Kansas City. Uh, Tim, I feel like this entire training camp, we've talked a lot about the offense and really not a lot about the defense. Maybe that's just because the defense is is pretty locked in, pretty sound right now. Um, but if you had to be looking at one position or group so we defensively, think. or so we think, I mean, we haven't seen a snap yet. But what are you looking for out of the defense in this final preseason game? I think it's an interesting test uh, this evening, guys, because I think the defense. Whenever everybody talks about the Packers defense, I think you're talking about the first eleven of the Packers defense and depth on the defensive line. 
I don't think you're talking about depth at outside linebacker. I don't think you're talking about depth in the secondary. So those are the spots that you should be watching tonight. These are the players who may decide games. You're going to be out there with your top 11, but you don't think the Minnesota Vikings with an offensive-minded head coach is going to try, are going to try to set up matchups that are going to be favorable to them in week one? Of course they are. And that's going, not necessarily going to be against your top three defensive backs for the Packers. It's going to be against who's number four or maybe who's number five or who can you get in a, in a pass-rushing situation if uh, Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith are not on the field. That's what's going to happen in the regular season. So those are the guys, not Gary and Smith, but the backups are the players you're going to watch tonight, and I think with good reason. I think the Packer coaches are watching with good reason as well. Those are the kinds of guys who can decide scoring plays, who can decide football games when you get right down to it, given the margin of error in the NFL. So this is not a complete throwaway game, because to me, the Packers' defense, very strong top 11 and defensive line, a bunch of question marks when you talk about linebacker and secondary depth. Uh, any, any pressure on Joe Barry this year? I know last year coming in, he had a lot of people talking about, well, he's been terrible everywhere he's gone. Is he the real answer? Uh, it's kind of quiet after last year to, you know, I, I don't know what the returns on him were from, from your perspective, but this year, there can't be any excuse. You got, on paper, your defense looks really, really good. And I think beyond looks really, really good, Tony. Uh, will be expected to carry the team, at least for the first half of the season. I think the offense is going to get better as the season goes along, presuming health for everybody involved the key spots, but they're not there yet. Uh, we've seen that through the preseason. We've seen that in training camp. We haven't seen the starters uh, in these games, so there, there's a rough, uh, a rough draft effect there as well. So the defense has to hit the, hit the ground running and, and take care of business. And I think there is some pressure on Joe Barry, uh, you know, last year in December, statistically, the defense was not good. Bailed out by some Russell Douglas interceptions in particular and some takeaway plays. And, you know, they persevered, but uh, they weren't playing a murderer's role then. And they had Taylor Heineke sliding to a knee at the one-yard line. I mean, there were a lot of things that helped the Packer defense late in the year last year uh, that kind of are getting glossed over because they played well in the playoffs against the Niners, who didn't have a very good offense. So is this defense as good as all the billing? We shall see, but the Packers are built for them to need to be that, particularly early in the season. And, and do you think, I know you said the Packers will probably have to go out and, and get a couple of guys to fill out that 53-man roster. Uh, do you think it'll be on that defensive side where you talked about there's not a lot of depth? I think it's possible. Uh, you know, I think tonight is, an ex- is, uh, is a Petri dish to see what they have there. Maybe they'll be so impressed with these guys that they'll go forward. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody doesn't do the job at one of those spots outside linebacker depth, the defensive back depth, uh, if that's not where the Packers go. And I'm not saying, boy, they definitely have to go get this guy at this spot. But past history would say, to go back to what you're talking about, they're adding a couple guys, which I referenced in the last segment, that's usually what the Packers do. All of a sudden, you talk about this 53-man roster, and then they bring in two guys the week before the regular season starts, and they're on the 53-man roster. And they, they haven't even heard of them from some other team elsewhere in the league. The Packers believe in their scouting staff, and they understand – you know, while they think they've done a good job to put the roster together to this point, you can't have every prospect that you want already. There's still possibilities out there who might fit this defense. Talking with Tim Van Voren, sports director over at Fox 6. Tim, I want to switch to baseball. Obviously, yesterday, huge shakeup in Major League Baseball. Uh, MLB going to a very interesting schedule that we've never seen before. Every team playing every team. Love it. Every year. So it means a lot less divisional games, a lot more interleague games, trying to help balance out the MLB schedule because of 
the extra playoff spot. When you saw this, I mean, I don't know if you're traditionalist. I don't know if you're a non-traditionalist, but what did you think of uh, the new format MLB trotted out? I'd say in general more of a traditionalist than not, Dario, but I'm okay with this. I mean, I think this is, you know, we're, we're going toward more of the homogenization uh, of baseball anyway, starting with, you know, the umpires were really the first part of it, the interleague baseball, now more interleague play. Uh, you know, it's not two leagues really anymore. Uh, it's, it's baseball. So I'm not surprised by this, and I think that it's fine. I'm, I'm okay with the scheduling. They've, they've kind of told the players, you know, this is what's coming. Uh, now we see what that actually means. And I think that, you know, the, the sameness of the interleague, you know, your target matchup had kind of worn off. Uh, Brewers, Twins, I mean, is it really that special? I don't know. So uh, if you can do it every year, I can see Cubs cars. I can see Mets, Yankees, that sort of thing. But, I, you know, I, I guess I'm ready for, uh, if I'm a Brewer fan, I'm ready to see some of these other American League teams a little more regularly. I mean, especially if you're a Yankees fan, Dodgers, Dodgers, Yankees, Giants, Yankees, and go back to some of that old stuff. Uh, what was your favorite part? I mean, for me, I, I really am excited about seeing Shohei or Mike Trout every other year in Milwaukee. And if you're a Brewers fan, I mean, hitting the road, going to Toronto every other year or going out to L.A. a little bit more often. I mean, there are a lot of perks, a lot of pluses when it comes to this new format. I think so, and I think that's what baseball is conscious of now. You know, kind of maybe a little slow to still slow to the party, but uh, I think that's what it is. You're, you're trying to you're trying to attract. It's a long season, right, guys? 162 games. Let's face it. The attention span of people is not what it once was. The options for people are not what they once were. They have so many more ways they can go with their their interest and their entertainment dollar. So if you can drum up some excitement because you're bringing a team into Milwaukee that hasn't been here in a long time, or you could get Brewer fans who want to take a trip like you said, to go out to Dodger Stadium or they want to go to Angels, I guess, more regularly, uh, whatever it might be like that, that's going to that's gonna juice things up a little bit for baseball, which I think is the direction you have to go in. They're trying a lot of things. You know, tradition still has its place in baseball, but we've all seen that the tradition doesn't rule the game the way it once did. Tim, you mentioned the Some options. traditions need to go away. <laughs> I love right? this. Uh, you mentioned the options. Uh, JS Online releasing an article that, Attendance at AmFam this year, I almost called it Miller Park, but AmFam down 14% from last year. It's also down from 2019 as well. They're citing a couple things, but does that surprise you? I mean, if you were to, if I were to tell you, because I, I know you and I are at the ballparks a lot, are you surprised that the attendance is down? Because to me, I, mean, I think a majority of the time, it seems like somewhat of a packed house. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I went to one of the Dodger games in that four-game series uh, as a fan. I was there once as working and once as a fan in that series. And, uh, you know, Dodgers, you'd, you'd think, big series, August, it was going to be packed out. I would agree with you the crowd was okay, but it wasn't like Brewer, fan, Brewer crowds that we've seen in recent years for a series like that. Um, I don't sense the um, anticipation for Brewer fans regarding a certain series anymore. You know, oh, here come the Cubs, and then a lot of Cubs fans are going to be there. Here come the Cardinals or the Dodgers, or this series is going to mean a lot in the standings. I think people are making their plans. They're going to the games. Hey, that works for me. I want to go out to the ballpark, that sort of thing. I know that the article you're mentioning referenced group sales. That's probably a big factor that I'll admit I didn't consider at all. Uh, But I would say that I, I just... I don't, say, I don't sense the same buzz or anticipation regarding the schedule or certain series that people want to see, as we've seen with Brewer fans in recent years. Their numbers are still okay, um, but I, I, it is an interesting scenario to discuss, and, and some of this is where you hope you're going to drum up more interest with the scheduling we just talked about. You mentioned the buzz, Tim, about the, the schedule, but what about the buzz about the team? Because it almost hmm. seems like 
Brewers fans are getting winning fatigue, where you're almost like the Cincinnati Bengals, right? You win a lot, but you never do anything when the, the time comes, when it comes to crunch time. I mean, do you kind of sense that? Because it's almost a feeling I'm getting, especially when you look at and read what the tweets are coming in from Brewers fans. Well, you're exactly right. And when we're talking about maybe a lack of uh, buzz or juice for certain matchups when these teams come in, a big part of that is because there's a certain lack of juice or buzz with the home team. You're exactly right. Obviously, you know, the numbers would indicate that it's kind of been tepid all season long, but certainly since the trade deadline move, uh, or moves, I guess, uh, you know, People haven't been trying to you know, clamor for the be part of the walk-up crowd too often to get on out there. And that's part of it. It is winter fatigue, I think. You know, the, the, the numbers would indicate the Brewers have been a very good baseball team for several years here. But that's kind of what happens. I mean, I even think with the Packers, talk about the Packers so much, uh, you know, going into the offseason. You know, I even think with the Packers, I, I don't sense, you know, the same anticipation for the regular season once we get into it obviously people are going to care about the Packers but the anticipation for the regular season I think people have kind of said what much like with the Brewers I've seen this movie before you need you need to change the ending you know we've been to the focus group maybe you need to change the ending because the movie's entertaining but I don't like the way it finishes up Tim thanks so much man have fun out in Kansas City and we'll see you soon okay both of you guys enjoyed it see ya see there's, TVV. there's a couple of things TVV just said um, biggest thing for me is this is exactly why the NBA dropped the ball. And I'm going to explain that after the break. Okay, stick around. More of, you got some explaining to do. More of Homer and Tony with their cousins of the day. Dario Melendez coming up after this.